want to take that? Thank you so much. It's just kind of awkward to have that thing in your face, and I'm just saying. <laughs> well, my name is Jeff Falkowski. I'm the director of the Young Families Ministry here at Church of the Apostles, and it is my absolute delight to be here with you. Normally, I am at a Sunday school class that we have every Sunday morning called Family Connections, and we meet in room 620. But Jonathan is a young family, and he invited me to take his space today because, as you may or may not know, uh, he and Lindsay have had a little baby girl, uh, Ava, uh, Eva, and uh, so he's resting and trying to adjust to adding to the family, and some of you understand what that's like when you move from one to two. You start uh, moving into a space where you um, have to uh, have more hands and more feet and less sleep in the process of doing that, so... Uh, we need to be praying for him. I want to just start off and pray if we can. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here today. There's not one person under the sound of my voice that's here by mistake. Lord, you know I've wrestled with this text. Maybe I've wrestled too much. And Father, I'm praying now that you just take my unsanctified ego out of the way. And Father, may your written word become the living word for us. And that not one person under the sound of my voice, including myself, would walk out of this space or this place without being transformed by your spirit through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at a passage in the book of Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians in the Family Connections class. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. It's an amazing prayer that Paul prays in this passage of Scripture. I want, you to, I want you to zone in. There's just something very powerful about even just reading the Word of God. And it's amazing to me that oftentimes when the Scripture is read during a worship service, I find my mind drifting, and I really think it's a spiritual battle, honestly, because the Word itself is just powerful even to be stood and read. It's a blessing for God's people. So let us open our ears and hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. The Apostle Paul prays, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord, and the people of God said, thanks be to God. Is that not just an amazing prayer right there? I mean, think about that for a moment. Paul's prayer is for us. I want you to, I want you to ponder this for just a moment. I mean, imagine, imagine what Paul is praying. He is praying for his church, for his people, for us, for the Ephesians to literally be filled with the fullness of God. That's a big prayer. 
this morning when I came into the service, the air conditioning wasn't working. You know what my big prayer was for y'all? That the air conditioning might work. That's about as big as my prayer got. This is, this is a, a huge, gigantic prayer. And sometimes when we read the scripture, we just think, is it possible that God's people, his church, could be filled with the fullness of God? I would suggest to you that the Apostle Paul prays with that goal in mind. What would the world look like? Think about this for a moment. What would the world look like if God's people were filled with his fullness? That when the pressure of life came and squeezed down upon us, and what would come out would be the fullness of God. Isn't that what we need today? Because the pressure is around us, is it not? And when we're walking in the Spirit, and when, we are, when we're seeking after the Lord, and when he becomes the object of our heart, as, as we draw close to him and he draws close to us, we will find ourselves in a place being filled with his mighty Holy Spirit so that when life presses in, Jesus comes out. God is able. That's the doxology. We won't talk about the doxology, but God is able to do above and beyond what we can think, hope for, or ask or imagine. He can do it. I love what Paul says about the church. He says, may God himself, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole body, spirit, and soul be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he can indeed and will do it. Powerful promises from God's scripture to us. And Paul wants you and Paul wants me to be filled with the fullness of Almighty God. Don't, don't miss that. Don't lose that. Don't, don't zone out. It's so easy to be distracted as human beings, is it not? Let's, let's focus in for just a moment here this morning. Because in this passage of Scripture, Paul has an incredible motivation. He starts off, he says, for this reason, for this one reason, that, that he bows his knees before the Father. He's on his knees. What motivates Paul to drop down to his knees to pray for the church? What motivates Paul is what has been written about before up until this point in time. What motivates Paul is that, is that Christ has overcome all the powers and principalities. Christ has triumphed over them. He has defeated them. In fact, we see the defeat of the principalities and the powers in the, in the book of Ephesus. As we read about the church in the book of Acts, we see in Ephesus that Paul, when he proclaimed the gospel, it came in power and people were delivered from demonic forces. Isn't that amazing? And that motivates Paul to pray because he wants the kingdom to come and God's will to be done. And for people to seek first the kingdom of heaven and see the manifestation of God's glory in God's people as a witness to all of creation. Isn't that beautiful? The second thing that motivates him is that God's people have been brought from death to life. We love that passage in Ephesians chapter 2 where God says, because of his great, but because of his great mercy, God... God who loves us, though while we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive in Christ. Do you understand? Now, now, Paul's motivated because God has brought us from death to life. 
Another motivation that Paul has to pray for us is that God has reconciled the brokenness that that existed between Jew and Gentile. There is racial tension in the scriptures. There is racial tension in the book of Ephesians. And Paul says that what's happened is through the cross, God has reconciled both Jew and Gentile to himself. And now we have become one. And it's through the cross, listen to me, that every nation, tribe, language, kindred, and tongue will worship around the throne of God. That you and I, through the cross, we can have racial harmony. There is hope for the division that is in this world due to racism, but that hope comes through the one solid, firm, and foundation, that hope comes through the cross of Jesus Christ where we all find common ground. Amen? That's the hope. Don't feel hopeless today. The the nation, the world, the culture, the society, the media would want you to think that things are hopeless, but the Apostle Paul is on his knees for his church that they might be filled with the fullness of God because he understands the power of the gospel on the cross. And Paul's motivated to pray. Isn't that a strange thing? He's motivated to pray, although Christ has overcome the powers, although we've been brought from death to life, Although there's unity through the cross, he still prays. It seems like he doesn't need to pray anymore, right? I mean, what does he need to pray about? It's all been done. Paul has an incredibly view, high, high view of God's sovereignty. Ephesians 1.11, Paul says, God works out everything. Not some things, but everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. You can't have a higher view of sovereignty But the amazing thing is, and here's a huge takeaway from us, is that the Apostle Paul believes that his prayers matter. Even though God's sovereign, he believes that his prayers matter. Our view of God's sovereignty should not dissuade us from prayer, but should motivate us to drop to our knees and bow before the Father who is in heaven. Because God has chosen in his sovereignty to use the vehicle of prayer to accomplish his purposes. And you and I are called to participate in that. What a high and holy and wonderful calling. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And Paul really believes that it makes a difference. So the huge takeaway for you and me today is is that we should be motivated by the sovereignty of God and all that God has accomplished through the cross to drop to our knees and believe that God can do what he says he can do. Amen? I don't know about you, but I kind of get excited about that. I kind of get excited about that. So Paul is praying before the Father. Every family on the earth derives its name. Every tribe, nation, language, kindred, and tongue is going to be standing around God's throne. Praise be to God. What a beautiful vision and picture is that. Well, you know what the big idea is, and we've already talked about it. The big idea is that Paul wants us to be filled with, that's his goal, with the fullness of God. What does that mean? Wouldn't you like to know what that means? I've been wrestling with that. Like, what does that mean to be filled with the fullness of God? It doesn't mean that you and I are to become little gods. I've heard some people actually say that before. It's it's not what it means. I think Paul really lays it out in the future in the book of of Ephesians when he comes to chapter 5. He says something very powerful. He says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, in my tradition, that was, a, that was used as a prohibition against drinking. But that's not what Paul is teaching in that passage. He says, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. He's giving us an illustration here. 
of what it means to be filled with the Spirit or filled with the fullness of God or how we should be filled. You know, I've met people in some traditions where they say, oh, yeah, when I, when I became a Christian, when I, when I prayed the sinner's prayer, I was filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm like, well, good for you. And then I met other people who said, oh, no, I have had this second glorious experience of being filled with God's Spirit, and everybody needs that second experience, and then they're going to really have it. And I said, well, good for you. Hallelujah. But, but listen, what Paul is saying here, and what you and I really need to understand, is that you and I are called to continually be filled with the Spirit. We've been filled we're being filled, and we should continue to be filled with God's Spirit. It's, it's, he gives the illustration of alcohol for a reason. If you want to catch a buzz, if you want to drink alcohol, it's going to cause an effect in you, is it not? If you, if you stop drinking alcohol, what's going to happen? The effect's going to what? It's going to cease. It's going to stop. In order to keep the effects of alcohol going... You must continue to drink alcohol. Paul says this, this leads to certain behaviors. This leads to debauchery. That's the illustration. And now on the positive end, he says, don't do that. Don't be influenced by that. Don't be influenced into debauchery by the, the overconsumption of alcohol. But instead, be influenced by the Spirit by continually being filled with the Spirit. And then he gives us a little hint on how to do that. He says, speak to one another in hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. In other words, speak the word of God. It's the word of God when we're speaking it, when we're listening to it, when we're hearing it, when it captures our heart that we're filled with God's spirit. Then he goes on to say, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, singing praises like today. You know, when you let your, I just want to encourage you that when you gather together to worship, don't worry about what somebody might be wearing or who's walking into the room or what maybe kind of facial expressions the worship leader's making. Sorry, Paul. (laughs) Don't be distracted by those things. But instead, make melody and music in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks to him. That's how we get, that's how we're filled. That's an expression of being filled with the Spirit, but that's also how we are filled with God's Spirit. What a beautiful picture that is, is it not? But we have to continually drink from that so that its influence will be shown in our lives. I know when somebody's had too much to drink. Anybody else see see that? My wife's a wedding planner. And so I've been to many weddings as a wedding planner. And I can tell when the party's been going on too long. But you know what? I also can tell when somebody is living in the fullness of God and has been filled with his spirit as well. And my challenge and encouragement to us is to believe that we can be filled with God's Spirit. This is the goal of his prayer. You know, I've met a lot of people that, that in life that they just want to have the fruit of the Spirit. Don't you want to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Am I the only one that wants the fruit of the Spirit in my life? I've met people before, they're like, oh, I'm just going to love them with all my heart. You know what I'm talking about? There's been many times where I've gritted my teeth like that, but that's not what Paul... The fruit of the Spirit doesn't come from gritting your teeth and pulling yourself up by your own strength. The fruit of the Spirit comes when you're rooted in Christ. And we root ourselves in Christ by getting into His Word. Amen?
So my, my challenge and encouragement to us is to, to believe that we can be filled with the fullness of God. And God has given us the means of grace and the hope of glory that we can walk in this fullness that he calls us to be a part of through Paul's prayer. How can we be filled? How can we be filled with this, this fullness? Implicit in the prayer that Paul is praying here, implicit in this prayer is, is how we might be filled, right? He says a step one. Let me give you a first step. Look at here right in chapter 3, verse 16. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, listen, to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. When you're strengthened with power by the Spirit in your inner being, you'll be filled with the fullness of God. Amen? How, how, do, how, can, we, how can we do that? Well, I've talked a little bit about that out of the book of Ephesians chapter 5, through 18, but that makes me think about that Laodicean church in the book of Revelation. Y'all familiar with that church? That's the lukewarm church. And you might remember what the scripture, what Jesus has against them is that they, they think they're rich. They think they need nothing, but he says, externally, you look rich. You look good. You look good on the outside. Externally, you're, you're doing great. And when the world looks at you, you have your, all your act together. But, but you're pitiable and poor. You're naked. On the inside, you're, you're, you're destitute. There's nothing worse than faking it. Is that true? When everybody, when, you, when everybody looks at the outside and they think, man, that, that person's got it all together. But you know on the inside, you know on the inside you have great need, which is a great place to be, by the way. But what does Jesus say about that church that thinks they have it all together? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Knock, knock, knock. He who opens the door, I will come in and what? I'll sup, I'll dine with them, I'll be with them. Jesus is talking about fellowship. You see, they, they lost their sense of abiding in Christ, fellowshipping with him. They needed to be strengthened in their inner being. When I think about being strengthened in my inner being, I think of that passage of scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. And it talks about the veil being removed from us. And it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah for that. Amen? Now the Lord is Spirit. And it goes on to say in that passage of Scripture that we all with unveiled faces, right? The veil's been removed for us. Moses used to go up in the mountain, listen, right? He used to go up in the mountain and meet with God. When he came back to the people, he wore a veil because of the decreasing glory. But when he went up in the mountain, what did he do? He removed the veil. In other words, he had unfettered access and relationship to God with, with him on the mountain. And what Paul is saying is that veil's been removed from us. You know why? Because you and I don't have to go upon Mount Sinai to meet with God. Because the mountain is in our hearts. And it's come in our hearts through Jesus Christ. You and I have unfettered access and relationship to abide with God. He's always knocking at the door of our hearts to come in. He's always there. It's not that God leaves us. It's that we leave him. He tells us and promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But sometimes we leave him. Am I the only one? But he's always there for us. 
And he talks about this. He says that we must behold the glory of the Lord. And when we do this, we're being transformed into the same image, the image of Christ, from one degree of glory to another. This comes from God, who is the Spirit. Friends, what does that mean? It means one version says we need to contemplate the glory of the Lord. Who's the glory of the Lord? Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of his being, the image of the invisible God. He is the glory of the radiance of his being. Jesus, we need to contemplate Christ. I'm telling you, what we behold, we will become like. Do you know that? Last night, after I I did some more study into the scripture, and I started looking at trucks. I have a a real desire for trucks. My wife, if she's uh, listening to this at some point in time, uh, she's sick of me uh, talking about trucks. I love a Dodge Ram 1500 V8 5.7 Hemi. Four-wheel drive. It's got to be four-wheel drive. And I'll look at trucks for hours on Auto Trader and Carvana and whatever. And I realize I don't need a 5.7 liter V8 Hemi. So I will, honestly, this is going to make some of y'all laugh. I will settle for a Honda Ridgeline. It's kind of like the, it's like the new El Camino, right? <laughs> so I'll settle for a Honda Ridgeline. But last night I was, I was looking at Honda Ridgelines and I said, boy, they make this black edition and it just looks a little more tough. It's black with black tires and one of them had a roof rack on it. And I was like, man, I, that's, what do you think I was thinking of when I closed my eyes last night? It was that black truck. I was contemplating it. I was beholding it, and it seized my heart. David was contemplating Bathsheba one day, and it seized his heart. What you and I contemplate will seize our heart. My friends, I'm telling you, contemplate the goodness of God in his word. Contemplate the goodness of God in his creation, in his works. This world, we have to come to a space again where the world becomes enchanted. Paul wants us to be strengthened in our inner being so that Christ will come alive, dwell in our hearts through faith. He's knocking at the door. He wants to dwell in our hearts and he dwells in our hearts through faith and we build our faith as we contemplate the glory of God who is Jesus Christ. That's beautiful, isn't it? So that's step one that you and I can participate in to see God's purposes fulfilled. You see, you might say, well, when I read this, Paul's not asking us to do anything. He's asking God to do something, and I agree with that. But can I, can I ask you a question? If I go to you and I say, hey, guys, I went to the doctor, and guess what? I, I kind of noticed that, uh, that he was talking to me, that he said I was overweight, that my blood pressure was high, that my cholesterol was off the charts. So would you guys pray for me that I, that I might have a healthy body? And you could pray, right? And that would be a great prayer. And I could just wait for God to do it, right? I could just wait. But I would think it would be a true miracle if God would put in my heart to participate with that prayer. You understand my point? That maybe if I started eating like rabbits, and maybe if I started exercising a little more, that we might see that healthy body come to fruition. 
And I would suggest to you implicit in this prayer, Paul's saying we can be strengthened in our inner being so that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith, and we can do that as we avail ourselves to the medicines of salvation, his word, his spirit, his prayer, and the community of faith. Amen? The second thing I want to talk about steps, and this is, this is so beautiful, it just, it just grabs me, it just excites me, but the second thing is that we, we need to comprehend the love of Christ. Listen to what he says. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted, you're rooted and grounded in love, praise be to God. But he wants to go beyond that rooted in his groundness because he says that you may have the strength. Notice it takes strength to comprehend the love of God. What, with all the saints, he wants all the saints and us to comprehend what is the breadth and the length, the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses our, our knowledge. It's something that is so much greater than we can think of or imagine. And when we comprehend the love of Christ, and when we're strengthened with the power of the Spirit in our being, and when Christ is dwelling in our hearts through faith, you and I will be filled with the fullness of God. Friends, if there's one thing we forget, and I'm so thankful that Bruce prayed so much about the love of God, we forget how much God loves us. Just like we forget how much our spouse loves us. And oftentimes when we forget that our spouse loves us, it's tough for us to love them back. (laughs) Is it not? We love God, right? First John tells us because why? He first loved us. And friends, we need to live a life motivated by God's love. Motive. Do you really understand how much God loves you? Do you, do you understand that? Do you understand that, that the base of God's saving work is in his love? For God so loved the world. That was his motivation, his love that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But God, Romans 5 and 8 says, demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, hallelujah, Christ died for us. There are times in my life where I don't feel, quote, the love of God, where I feel unlovable, and I have to go back to the cross. I have to go back to that space where I am standing, like the song said today, where I hear my mocking voice cry out. And then I hear Christ saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Is that not the love of God? His very enemies, including me, plucking out his beard, giving him vinegar drink, spearing his side, casting lots for his clothes, mocking him, but yet his heart towards a lost and destitute and dying and rebellious humanity is to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How much does God love us? It transcends our capacity to understand it and we need the power of God's spirit to reveal it to us. And that is so important for us. And one way that, that I can to attain to it is to say, Holy Spirit, let me know the love of God. And one way I do that, my friends, is to worship him and praise him and make melody in my heart, singing songs unto the Lord. The power of praise is powerful, is it not? It can overcome all of our circumstances. Think about You know, Paul was writing this letter. Do you know where he was writing this letter from? 
a jail. His circumstances were dire, but yet he believed in the power of prayer to fill God's saints with the fullness of God. You know what Paul learned about the circumstances of life is that he could transcend the circumstances of life as he praised God because there's something about when you praise God where his love invades your heart. Have you ever experienced that before? Friends, we need to just shut our radios off in the car. A lot of you are like, what's a radio? (laughs) And we need to put into our iPhones or whatever we do to stream music, praise songs, and we need to learn to sing to our glorious Savior. Because when we sing to our glorious Savior, there's something about that singing where we enter into a space where we experience the love of the greatness and goodness and mercy and kindness of our God. Notice what he talks about, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth. To me, he's talking about Christ's incarnation, right? The, the depth, Christ came from heaven and he, he entered into the space of earth and he took on the, the frailty of human flesh he incarnated. That's the depths of his wonderful love for us. He even went farther. He descended into the dead. He, he died. What's the height of his love that he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father? And he didn't leave us orphans, friends. He sent his spirit. As he sits in session, he sends his spirit to dwell in us. What great love is that? What is the height, the depth, the width, the breadth? I love that passage in Psalm 103 where he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Hallelujah. What, what kind of love is that? Love that transcends knowledge. We need to satiate on these things. We need to live in the fullness of what Christ has done for us, that the fullness of God might fill us fully. What a prayer. What a promise. What a hope for a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Pour your spirit out upon us. Refresh us, renew us, restore us, remind us of your great love for each and every one of us. Let us be motivated by this love to love you and to love others for your glory and our good and that Christ might be glorified in all the earth. Amen. Stand